yesterday I was in a meeting and there was this woman who shared this. She said, there are things in my past that I feel really, really guilty about. Things that I've done that I can't seem to forgive myself for. You know, I think about those certain moments in my life that I feel like I can't forgive myself for. Moments where what you did was so bad, I'll be happy to confess this and this and this and this and this to you, but I will never confess this. This is grimy, dirty, gully, nasty, terrible. What do we do? What do we do when we find ourselves when we are in those moments? If you're like most of us, what we do is we make excuses for ourselves. Well, we didn't know any better. You know what it was? It was the drugs or the alcohol or we blame our youth. I was young. I didn't know any better. Or we say something else to get, our, get us off the hook, but our heart knows. And so the shame comes up every now and again when you least expect it in a party, when you're sitting by yourself, maybe you're watching a movie. The shame comes back. So what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? This is something that we all struggle with. What do we do? What do we do when we've blown it so bad we don't think that even God can forgive us? When we've gone so far that we don't think even God can find us? When we've done so wrong that we don't think that even God can help us? Now, if you're a Christian, or if you're not a Christian, you need this message. You need this message because every one of us will have to fight with the fact that we will fail even our own standards, never mind God's standards. Every one of us will do things that we regret for far too long and with way too, too much ambition. Every one of us will. So then the question is, how does God respond to sinners like me? And how should sinners like me respond to God? That's what we're going to be talking about today. And the good news is that I am not the first person that God has encountered who says that they love him and still does really awful things. Now, this message for sure is for me and maybe for the three or four of you here who have followed Jesus and still mess up and still sin and still go on the wrong. So it's maybe three or four of you. For the rest of us, you can, for the rest of y'all, you can pray for us. And so, but I want us to, I want us to be able to admit where we're at without, without pretending, without acting like everything's all right. How do we respond to God and how does he respond to us? There's this book in the Bible, it's in the Old Testament, it's the book of Joel. Joel is a 
is a man who is saturated in scripture. He is just reading and studying the Bible. He's studying and reading and then he's looking out at society and he's saying, we need to repent. Here's what God says. And so he actually pulls back from Exodus and he goes, God punished the, the nations for what they did to his people. But now the people are facing punishment for how they're behaving to each other and responding to God. And so God is looking at a broken group of people, a people who say, listen, this message isn't, listen, if you're here and you don't know Jesus or you don't, or you, you think, whatever, however you identify yourself, I'm spiritual. I'm, uh, I, I, well, yeah, Jesus is God, but so is a whole other slew of things. Yeah, you know, spirituality is for you, and that makes sense, but, you know, that's your truth. My truth is my truth, and I would just say to you that the God who created you wants you for relationship to himself. He wants to be intimately involved. He doesn't just want to be someone in your Rolodex. Well, one lover out of many. But rather, he wants to be exclusive. He wants to put a ring on it. And so, he pursues you in that way. And so, Joel is telling this terrible story of how people have abandoned God, how they run away, how they look an awful lot like the Next Step Community Church. How they look like an awful lot like the people sitting in your seat. And he gets to this point and he says two verses of how God responds and how we should respond. He says this in Joel chapter 2 verses 12 and 13. He says this. In fact, would you stand with me as we read God's word? We stand because we're reminded that God's word has more authority in our lives than we do. Now, if you're here, inside your bulletin, we have what's called a sermon map. So you can actually read along the scripture, but you can also fill in the blanks because we say here that the uh, shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. It'll be helpful to you. So Joel chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Would you read it with me? Count of three. One, two, three. Even now declares the Lord... Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. This ends the reading of God's word. Please have a seat. So I want you to look at this text because there's a lot to learn here. The first thing I want you to see, and you can write this in your notes, you can see the badness of sin. The badness of sin. You can write that down. God says, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping 
and mourning, with fasting, with weeping and mourning. The reason that God says this to his people through Joel is because the people, it's possible that the people are so inundated with their sin, they're so in love with their sin that they pursue it and they need like a wake-up call. You ever needed like a jolt or a wake-up call? And so he goes, hey, listen, don't have a meal until you can recognize how you're feasting on stuff that will kill you. I don't know if you've ever feasted on stuff that'll kill you. I have. And in feasting on stuff that'll kill you, sometimes you go, God goes, you need to skip a couple of meals just to reawaken yourself. Because there are things that you and I do that numb us to our desperate need for Jesus. So like when I get nervous, anybody here does this? When I get nervous or I get into an argument with someone, it's like almost immediately I grab for like finger food, like things that like I can just eat. Does anybody else do that? Who, who goes like grabs a cigarette when they're nervous? Right? There's a couple of us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. Right? So what, you know what, what's happening, right? God is awakening something inside of us. And what we're doing is we're going to our Savior. Our Savior, our cigarette. Our Savior, our lover. Our Savior, our food. Because that's a better comforter. That's a better Savior. And God goes, no, 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 no. I need you to feel the weight of your sin. Listen, all of culture will say what you're doing is fine. It's all right. It's the way you were born. How many times have I heard, once an addict, always an addict. How many times have we heard that whatever lifestyle we want to go into, we think it's okay because, because we feel like it, that must be the validation of that it's okay. And God is going, no, 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 no. Some things will kill you. I think about food and how we can pursue and just go, oh, but you know, everybody in my family's have, no, 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 listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. That doesn't have to be your savior. There's a better savior. Alcohol, it's obvious, right? The drugs, it's obvious. Lovers, it's obvious that these don't save. They only numb. My mother was in the hospital. She's since passed. She was in the hospital. And she was on this like battery of, of um, medication. And so her temperature was like 104. I don't know if you've ever had 104 uh, fever, but like you should be passed out or you should be in real bad shape. My mother looked like she was laying out on a cabana in Brazil, like she was chilling. She had 104 fever. Nobody could figure it out. The doctor finally came, looked at her chart, and he said, oh, do me a favor. Don't give her any more of her medications. Boy, it didn't take more than eight hours before my mother was like, oh. See, because the medication was numbing her to identifying what the real problem was. And the physician could not give her the help that she needed until she felt the pain she was actually in. When she numbed herself, she hurt herself and would only get worse. 
there's a minor application in our lives for that. Isn't that true? You see, when we numb ourselves with the food, with the sex, with the lovers, when we numb ourselves with the shopping and the, and the, the more money and the focus on something other than Jesus, when we numb ourselves with that, we go, we have a sense that there's something wrong, right? There's 104 fever, but we can't pinpoint it. We don't give the physician of our souls an opportunity to address the brokenness of our hearts. We gotta see the badness of sin. But not only for those of us here who wear like leather jackets and get on a Harley Davidson and you know smoke a cigarette and then put on the music that says bad to the b -b -b bone. <laughs> but this is also for those of you who dress real nice and come to church and eat your Christian cookies and talk your Christian language and make sure that you don't do anything wrong. Look at what it says in 13a for all of you religious folk. I'm with you, I'm with you. He says, rend your heart, not your garments. You see that in verse 13? You know why Joel says that? Because Joel knows that the people that he's writing this book for, uh, uh, book for are full of crap. That you can come in here and you could sing the songs and like tears could be rolling down your eyes. And you could have every intention to live your heart far away from God. In fact, the way you defend your heart from Jesus is your goodness. In fact, someone asks you, hey, so what makes you a Christian? Well, I'm a good person. Really? That's what makes you a Christian? Beloved, number one, you ain't that good. I read your mail. It's not that good. Number two, here's the deal, and this is really, really important. Listen, listen, listen. Why on earth would Jesus have to die if all right. you, had, you needed right. to be a Christian was to be good? That's just stupid. That right, Jesus, like here's God in the flesh, Jesus, and he's talking to God the Father, and the Spirit is bringing him comfort. They're in the Garden of Gethsemane, and God the Son is speaking to God the Father, who knows both know all things. There's nothing that has passed by their gaze. They know all things. And he goes, Father, if there's any other way that this cup can pass from me, in other words, if there's another way that these people could be made right with the Father, now's a good time to say. And the one who knows all things said, no, it's going to take blood and death and sacrifice. Imagine that. Because, see, if all you needed to be good in that moment, all God would have had to do was go, just, just tell him to read the book and do better and try harder and be good. Be good for goodness sake. <laughs> it's absurd. You ain't good. Neither am I. I dress up love. Like, I, I, I clean up well. I get this. But I'm the worst person here. I know, I know that. I know that about me. I know that there's no close second. I am the worst person in this room. Matter of fact, I can confess things to you that you would then say, I do not want you to be my pastor. And I don't feel terrible about that because there's stuff that you could confess to me that make me say, I don't think I want you here neither. 
we're both in the same boat, aren't we? Aren't we? Let's just get real. Let's not start, please, let's not talk crap. Let's, Joel is telling them, rend your hearts, not your garments, because there's 150 religious things that you could do to make yourself feel better, but that don't change your heart. There's a, they, they, would, they would tear their garments as like, you know, so maybe for you, it's attending a service. Maybe it's doing your Bible study. Maybe for you, it's singing the songs and listening to your Christian radio, all of which I recommend, all of which I endorse. But if you're looking to those things for your righteousness, you've missed Christ by a, by a light year. You've missed him by a lot. So we got to see the badness of sin because the religious folks, we cover ourselves up with religious duties and, and we don't need Jesus. And the irreligious people, we cover our stuff with our, with our going, finding our saviors outside of Jesus and we don't want to turn to Christ and find our comfort in him. We got to see the badness of sin. Man, that took too long. I'm sorry. And the beauty of God, okay? So we got to see the badness of sin and also the beauty of God. There's this, there's these two moments, both in verse 12 and in verse 13. Do you see it? He says, return to me. And then in 13, he says, return to the Lord. Return to me. Return to the Lord. Listen, there's an invitation there. The beauty of God, that, that, that the invitation that he provides for you is not contingent on where you're at in your journey. It's just contingent on his beauty and goodness and kindness. You, but I messed up so bad yesterday. You should see what I thought about. You should see what I did. You should see what I embraced. You should see what I gave myself to. You should see. And God goes, check this out. He goes, return to me. Return to me. Come back. Come back. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Reminds me of this story of this guy back when, um, remember uh, in the 70s, the cars had these like banana seats where it would just like, you know, now they're like little bucket seats where you could just, it's one person fits on one seat. But back, I remember um, I had this Monte Carlo. Anybody remember the Monte Carlo? Monte Carlos are dope. I love the Monte Carlos. I just found out who the Puerto Ricans were in the group. Um, so, right. So like in my neighborhood, Monte Carlos were dope. So I'm driving a Monte Carlo. And you could fit like six or seven people, depending on how big we were, um, six or seven people in this car because you could fit like in this thing, right? So there's this story about this guy. It's an apocryphal story, but it's worth saying. And so um, he's driving and his wife is next to him. They're newly married and he, he's got his arm around her and she's just holding on to his heart and just like they're together. And then like, you know, year 10, she's like sitting next to him. And then year 20, she's like a little bit of distance. And year 30, she's like hugging the door on the other side of the car, you know. And then she turns to him and she says, you know, honey, I remember. I remember when we used to drive and you had your arm around me. And I felt so loved. And I remember when you would hold me when we drove and how close we were. And he paused after she said this. I feel like there's distance between us, she said. And then he says this to her. He says, I never moved. I never moved. 
God is saying, return to me. I've never moved. I, but God, I don't feel like I'm close to you anymore. God, I don't feel like you love me. I don't feel the embrace that I used to feel. He says, I never moved. And if you're unsure when you can return to him, this is the other beauty of God. It's this. It's the very first two words of the verse. Do you see it there? What does it say? What's the very first two words of this 12th verse? Even now. What does it say? What does it say? Even now. Even now. By the way, this brings us to our big idea for today. The big idea for today, that first line in your, uh, in your sermon map is this. Even now I can return to the Lord. Even now. Matter of fact, after every phrase I say, I want you to respond to me even now. Okay. You mean after you've gone back to the thing that you swore you'd never go back to? After you've been a Christian and you blew it? After you've gone lower than you've ever gone in your life? You mean... Even when you feel like there's no hope because you've relapsed so many times? Even now. Even now. Even now, God says, I never moved. Come back to me. Come back. Where are you running to? Where are you going, boo? I love you. He loves you. Don't go. Even now. I want you to remember that forever. Even now. When you feel so depressed that you can't even get out of bed, you say, When you think that God has abandoned you because of all that you've done, when you blew up your whole family, when the marriage divorce is all your for fault, even now. even now, return to me, he says. Return to me. Now, God does that because he is beautiful and he does call you to himself. And let me just show you the four ways. Do you see it? It's right in the text. The four ways that Joel expresses to his people and that we need to hear as well. The four ways that Joel expresses the beauty of God. Here's the reason why you can turn to God. Not because you're good, but because God is good. And here's the four ways. One, God is gracious. Do you see it? He says, return to the Lord your God, for he is what? Gracious. What does gracious mean? Uh, gracious is um, God is the God of second chances. God is the God of, you can even say, God is the God of another chance. If, if you're like me and you blew all your second chances, <laughs> God is the God of another chance. God is beautiful. God can call you on the basis of who he is. Not on the basis of what you've done, but on the basis of who he is. Because he doesn't extend graciousness. He is gracious. He's the best. If you've ever been gracious to anyone, you've experienced a little bit of God. Because he doesn't give it. He is it. He's gracious. 
Not only is he gracious, but he's also compassionate. What is compassionate? means that God understands how weak we are. God understands our weaknesses. He's compassionate. His heart stirs for us. He goes, oh my goodness, that must have hurt like crazy. Like even when my kid does something I've told him not to do and he comes back crying and hurt, like, yo, don't climb up that fence. And he does it and he comes back hurt and crying. Do you think I go up to my kid and go, you didn't I tell you? I said, stop crying. You think I do that? I go, oh my gosh, that must have hurt like crazy. Come here, let me, let me see if I can put a band-aid on that. Because God is compassionate. And if you've ever given anyone compassion, you've experienced a little bit of Jesus. Because God doesn't just give it, he is it. That's the beauty of who God is. God is not just gracious. God is not just compassionate. God is, and I love this, aren't you? He's slow to anger. He's slow to anger. Aren't you glad? He's slow to anger. He's much more patient than you. God is not a bigger version of your father. You know, like your father, like didn't have any patience. If he was around at all, didn't have any patience or, or just, you know, went at you for whatever reason. No, no, no. God is not like that. God is not like that. God is slow to anger. That means that God is patient with us. That he has a patience for us that we don't deserve. Do you see why God can tell you to return to me? God can tell you to return to me, not because of your goodness, but because of his goodness. Not because of your beauty, but because of his beauty. God can tell you to return to him because he's all that you ever dreamed he would be and more. And then finally he says here, God is more than this. But he's at least this, abounding in love. His very essence is sacrificial love. So what are we learning today? Today we're learning that no matter where you are during this Lent season, what's the Lent season? Lent season starts on Wednesday, just happened, Ash Wednesday, and it ends on the Saturday before Easter. And that, that 40 days... It's an opportunity for us to repent and reflect on all that Jesus has done for us. So I want to remind you that during this season, I want you to come back to him. I want you to run to him, whether you're one of those religious rebels or you're one of those irreligious rebels. I want you to come back to Jesus. Because we can see the badness of our sin and we can see the beauty of God. And even now, I can return to the Lord. Imagine if you actually believe that. What would be different in your life if you actually believed that God would forgive and that God's arms are open? Uh, just recently, I had an old uh, uh, sponsor. An old sponsor. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to me before. Um, but um, I'm old enough to have old sponsees, right? Sponsors, by the way, if you're not in a 12-step program, there are uh, sponsors like a discipler who um, helps people uh, grow. I'm, I'm in a program, a 12-step program, and some of you are in a 12-step program. And so, so I, was, uh, I was listening to this old sponsor, and he was speaking on a step. And I hadn't seen him in a bit, and so he went up, and he's like, oh, my gosh. 
And he started to talk about, like, you know, the topic was the fourth step. And I was like, I remember when we did the fourth step together. I was like, he's going to totally celebrate. He's gonna t- I'm, I'm going to be so embarrassed of all the nice things he's going to say about me when, he, when he's up there. And I'm just going to be like, go on, stop. You know, this is about the fourth step. Don't talk about me. My goodness. It's too much. I don't need to tell you where that went, right? And he, he would remember things that I had completely forgotten. And I remember this like cloud of shame coming over me. And I was like, oh man, even when I try to help, my help sometimes hurts. And then I remembered our text, even now. Even when the shame of the past comes over you like a tsunami from the ocean and you didn't see it coming, even now, even now I can return to the Lord, even now. And I spent that whole meeting just trying to return to the Lord with my shame, not trying to excuse my shame while I was young and I didn't know any better. I only had five years clean, now I have 32. By the way, you're all invited to my anniversary. It's on March 25th. Uh, I'll be celebrating 32 years. But here's the deal. Here's the deal, and this is a big deal. This is a very big deal. Even now, what if you really believe that? How would that address your shame? How would it deal with your brokenness, with your next moment of temptation, with the next time where you want to act out in a way that you know you shouldn't? What if you really believe that even now I can return to the Lord? Even now. No, 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 you've gone too far. No, 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 beloved, come back, come back, come back. Even now. If you believe that it would change everything about you and everything in your life.